Welcome to the Tribe of Testimonies. Here you will find conversations with faithful Native American members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, sharing their stories and their love of the Savior. My name's Andrea Hales. I'm Navajo, and I'm glad that you've decided to come and join us today. Today you will meet my friend Marty Hendren. He is a man of faith. He is just an everyday awesome guy. He has many gifts of the Spirit, and he shares some of those with us. As I was listening to his interview again, I just couldn't believe how many things that he has been able to witness and feel about the Spirit. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope you are blessed by his testimony, and I hope that this interview brightens your day. I am here on the phone with my new friend, Marty Hendren. We've never met in person, and um, we just met on a Facebook group, and I asked Marty if he would be willing to share his testimony today and share some of his his stories with us. So, Marty, I would love it if you could introduce yourself. My name is Marty Hendren. I live in Pahuska, Oklahoma. I'm originally from South Dakota. Uh, my dad was a... Uh, Enrolled member of the Sisseton Wapatan Oyate. Uh, I'm not a member because uh, of blood quantum. Uh, I'm still very happy to have a native blood in my system. Great. What cultural celebration story? What is there of your heritage that you love, especially if it ties into the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well. I said, uh, I moved from South Dakota when I was quite young, and right after we moved, my, my dad left so when I was, I think, four years old. So I never really got to know any of my uh, Native heritage. Uh, we moved to Oklahoma when I was 15, and I became uh, best friends with uh, Anthony Merle, who, who was of Osage and Cherokee lineage. And so I became involved with Native Osage uh, rituals and stuff, and I know uh, whenever they have a, a dinner, a dinner, a big dinner, or something they always had uh, use cedar smoke to uh, you wash your hands and and they you engulf yourself in cedar smoke and it's supposed to carry your prayers to heaven. I always just I always just love that because makes you think of in the Bible where it talks about uh, the cedars of Lebanon and, and smoke being used to carry their their prayers to heaven. I, I just always thought that was neat. Yeah, and the and the priests in the temples they always used incense too for the same reasons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Marty. So one of the things that Marty and I first connected about was he said he told me he's like, well, maybe one day I'll tell you my conversion story. And so Marty, I would love if you would tell us your conversion story. Okay. It, it probably happened when started when I was 13 years old. Uh, I turned 13 November 6th of 1969, 
November 10th, my mother got a call that her mother had passed away. And my mother started crying. And she told all of us kids what was going on. And all my brothers and sisters started crying. But I started to cry and I felt like an angel put his hand on my right shoulder and said, don't cry. Your grandmother's in a better place now. And so I, I never did cry about it. Well, my mother had two brothers that were in the military overseas. And so after the other kids went to bed, I stayed up at night. Whenever she started crying, I'd comfort her. About 10 o'clock, she got finally got a hold of her brother in Germany and started talking to him. So, so I went out on our front porch to pray. As uh, as I was praying, I asked Heavenly Father, I said, hey, I never really told my grandmother I loved her. I said, how, how will I ever be able to do that? And out of the side of the sky, a voice came and said, when you see your grandmother again, give her a kiss and hug and tell her you love her. And this, it, it was so, it wasn't a loud voice or anything, but it was, it, you know, it pierced my soul. And I, I started crying and my mother came out and said, who are you talking to? And so I told her, I said, a voice just come out of the sky and told me that my seen grandmother, give her a hug and or give her a kiss and tell her I love her. And see, she, mom thought she said, "Well, that was that's it. Must have been God talking to you." Anyhow, we I, we, I was grew, grew up in a Catholic home, and we went to Catholic school. But then the Monsignor asked uh, my mother not to bring my baby sister to church anymore because she, she her crying disrupted his services. Oh. So mom just quit taking all of us. Oh. So we all fell away from the church. At a, then when I was uh, in my twenties. Uh, I started reading the Bible again on my own, and I came to a spot where it said, you know, you need to meet together often, uplift and edify one another. And so I said, yeah, I need to go back to church. So I started, I went to that of the Catholic Church, and it just felt empty, and there's nothing there. So I started going to different churches, and I, uh, I didn't feel good at any of them I went to. So one day, one Saturday afternoon, I got down on my knees in my front room. I was living in Anadarko, Oklahoma at the time. And I said, I said, God, I said, I know you want me to go to church. That's so in the Bible. I said, but I don't feel good at any of these churches I go to. So if you want me to go, you need to tell me which one to go to. And as soon as I said that prayer, a picture of a church came in, into my head. And I knew exactly where it was at there. Uh, I'd been by it a you know, hundred times or well, more, a thousand times probably. And but I never paid any attention to it. So I drove out there. And it said, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I thought, man, I hope it's not Holy Rollers, because I, I didn't really didn't feel good at one of those churches. It's not my style. So yeah. the next morning, I got up, and I drove out there. And they sat on the the southeast corner of the intersection of where two highways meet. I pull in the northeast uh, driveway. And I drive through the parking lot and go out the southwest corner driveway. I get back up to the stoplight, and I said, no. I said, God told me to go here. I need to go here. And so I turned around and pulled back in, and I pulled away about as far away from the building as I could. As I started walking up there, my legs were just shaking uncontrollably. I said, what is the matter with me? I said, I never have been like this in any other church. And I said, you know, I've always walked into them, you know, like I own the place. And uh-huh. uh, I just, something just, I just shaking uncontrollably. Well, as soon as I opened up the door and stepped inside, I felt the warmest feeling I ever had in my whole life wash over me. And I felt something put the arm around me. They stand on my right side and put the arm around, put my 
on my arm right above, right below my left shoulder. It was like someone was hugging me up close to him, and that warm feeling, and I heard the spirit said, welcome home, son. And I just I started crying, and people come up, hey, what's the matter, you know? And I said, well, God told me to come to this church. I don't know why, but... Oh, well, here, come right this way. <laughs> you know, come on in. So I went into the sacrament. I didn't have any uh, any missionaries there, with, except some uh, elderly couple, uh, senior missionary, uh, service missionaries. And uh, so they put me with them. Well, I started, they gave me a book of Mormon, and I re- read it in three days and started visiting with them. Well, then they came to a point where they told me I had, and I knew it was true. And uh, one thing, the first time I ever went to an Indian dinner, uh, the spirit told me these these, are, these, these people have got. I, I told them, so these people have got to be one of the lost tribes of Israel. I've never seen. I've never been around anything as peaceful and you know calming as this is. And so then when I read in the Book of Mormon that they, they were, you no, know, this another testimony to me. Hey, you know, I found somebody that thinks like I do. Mm-hmm. Then they told me I had to cut my hair so I could get baptized. Oh no! And I wasn't, <laughs> and I wasn't ready to do that. So I quit going and visiting them. And I, but I moved away from there and moved back to Pahuska, where my family was at. And they, uh, uh, there wasn't a church here, and I didn't think there was a church here. Well, then uh, some friends of mine came and asked me if I would, uh, my, my brother and I, go play basketball with them because uh, they're members of the church and. They uh, didn't have enough players to uh, man the basketball get, uh, team for their state tournament. Mm-hmm. So we went and played. That's how I thought the church was here in Pahuska. Well, then I saw, but I was, I worked in the oil field and it's on call 24 7, and they had to get missionaries to come over from Bartersville. So, and I never could set up a, a regular schedule. But I kept, I bought, I got the Joseph Smith history from the library. And I read it, and I cried all the way through it, knowing it was a true story. And you know that he he was a prophet of God, and, and you know he ordained that from the beginning. And then I got the church history, and I read all of that. Well, right after that, uh, my dad popped up back up in South Dakota. So my my wife and two children and I went up there to visit him. I got a job offer up there, so I thought, well, I'm staying here. I want to get a chance to know my dad. It'd been 22 years since I'd seen him. Mm-hmm. So we were getting ready to leave to come back to Pahuska to get our rest of our stuff. And I got off work. I said, I, I was a construction worker. You know, I got off work and I had long hair and you know, unkempt, had dirty clothes on. And I stopped the store to get a, some sandwich stuff and some milk for my youngest son, who's only eight months old. And uh saw these two young guys walking up in, in the store with suits on. And I went up in that tapped one of them on the shoulder and they turned around and I said are you guys Mormon elder missionaries they put their hands up in front of their face you're not going to hit us are you (laughs) (laughs) and and I started laughing I said no I want you to come baptize me and what I said "Uh, give me your phone number as soon as I get back from Oklahoma I'll I'll let you know where I live at and and so I can take the lessons I said well the first First Sunday, I went to church. Sunday school it was over church history. And the teacher said, "You probably shouldn't come in here. This point, people more advanced in the gospel." <laughs> and I said, "Oh, that's all right." Uh, uh, so I went in there after his class was over. She pulled me aside. I said, "I'm so sorry." So you're the only one who knew any of the questions. <laughs> Answered the questions. I said, "Well, I just got through reading church history on my own." 
and it, uh, so, but anyhow, I ended up, I was baptized back in my home state of South Dakota. And, uh, I said, that's, that's when I found out too, that I had a, a tribe of Israel blood ran through me and it just, it just, you know, I was just so excited about it. Uh, then, uh, my best friend, Anthony, his, his young son, uh, found out he had liver, liver cancer. And so, and I was praying the spirit told me to come back to Pahuska because he was needing my help. And so we, we moved back here to Pahuska. I received the Melchizedek priesthood on December 8th. I was actually that when I got baptized, it was 15 years to the date after the, God first spoke to me about my grandmother. Wow. November 10th, uh, 1984 is when I was baptized. Uh, so I just, you know, some people say it was a coincidence. I don't think so. You know, God yeah. sent me back to South Dakota and as 10, 15 years later, after I received the priesthood, December of six, uh, 75 or 85, it was 75. Yeah, it's 85 because my son was born in 83. That, uh, not long afterwards, Anthony's, uh, mother-in-law called me and her and her husband were back. They were members of the church and they were on their way back from Wisconsin, but, uh, Tony was in the hospital in Oklahoma City. Wait, so uh, so Anthony was was he a member of the church when you were best friends with him? No, but he he did join the church. Oh, cool. Later after, but it, uh, so they asked if I could get someone to go down to Oklahoma City and give Tony a blessing that he'd been on uh, dialysis, and they pulled the needle out and they couldn't get stopped bleeding. He'd been bleeding for like four hours, oh. and so we get down there and. I had to put my ear right down next to his mouth to hear him. And he asked me, Uncle Marty, uh, pray with me. So I, I said a prayer and uh, you could see the veil was getting ready to, it was cloak coming over his eyes. I mean, you could see it was just plain as day when Anthony asked if we'd go in with a doctor to talk. So uh, the branch president and I went in and talked to, with the doctor and he said, if we don't get this bleeding stopped, we're going to lose him. He's, you know, we just can't. Putting so much, losing so much blood, we can't keep putting it in. It's coming out too fast. Uh, the four of us got down on our knees and said a prayer, and then Branch Prince said, let's go do this. And we went and gave him a blessing. And 20 minutes later, the bleeding stopped. And like 10, 15 minutes later, he sat up in bed and said, Dr. So-and-so, I want you to meet my Uncle Marty. And uh, just so many things that happened. It was just... <laughs> it, Build my testimony. I'll, I said, and I, I know this is where God wants me to be in this church. And I said, He prepared me since I was young to do that. That's amazing. So you've been a member of the church for um, how many years? Since 84. So it'd be uh, 30, 37 years in November. Yeah. Um, you you said that you were married when you got baptized. Did your wife also join the church? Yes, she did. But, uh, she she fell away, and we, we later got divorced, and I ended up getting custody of my kids. Uh-huh. How have your kids have um, have your kids been um, active in the church? Semi active. Uh, they'll come for a while, then they'll quit for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all they all know it's true. They say they just 
I don't want to push anything. I don't try to push anything. I want to just love them. They know how I feel. Yeah, love them and and uh, keep on showing little perks in whenever I can. Yeah. Have you been in a ward or have you been in a branch? How how has your church looked like for you? I've I've always been in a branch except for the, I, we went to Hawaii for nine months and I was in a ward there. That's the only time I've ever been in a ward. Uh-huh. So what what kind of callings have you had in your branches that you've always been in? Elders quorum president, uh, counselors in the branch presidency, and I'm actually right now I'm the branch president of our, our branch here. Yeah. So my husband and I, when we first got married, we I've al- almost always lived in, in Utah, so I've always been in a ward, but uh, we lived in a very transient ward, and we came to just love the people because we needed each other so much. Like, we needed each other to help fulfill our callings and stuff. Do you do you feel like you've had that same kind of experience that you just love each other so much because you need each other so much? Oh, absolutely. Uh, when we were when we were in Hawaii, the reason we went to Hawaii is my my wife that I'm married to now. Uh, in 2011, her her son, oldest son, was killed in a car wreck, mm. and she, she's not actually not a member of the church, but uh, she about lost it. And her best friend was living in Hawaii, and kept asking her if she would come, wanted to come over there and get away from it. And and we told her, oh, we can't afford to live in Hawaii. Well, then she called my wife, said, hey, I bought another house, so you can live in it, not have to pay no rent if you guys want to come over. And so, so uh, Tara asked me, said, well, what do you think? I said, well, I'll pray about it and and, and see what Heavenly Father says. Well, one day my my youngest son and my older brother and another man, we went up to up into Kansas right across the border to help a elderly member of our branch put shingles on his roof. And my older brother would load him up in a, the bucket of this other guy's tractor. He'd send the bucket up, and my son and I would stack him on the roof. Well, I went to put a bundle of shingles down, and the spirit says, time for you to go. And I said, I don't want to go. He said, it's time for you to go, because I knew it wasn't what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I said, okay, I'll go. So on the when we were going home, I, I told my brother and my son, I said, well, I guess I'm moving moving to Hawaii for a while. <laughs> I said, what? I said, that spirit told me it's time for me to go, and I knew exactly what it was talking about. We ended up moving to Hawaii, put all of our stuff in storage, and moved to Hawaii. Tara actually went to work for the for the bishop. He had an insurance office, and one day, uh, one at, during conference at the men's session, him and I were, were walking out of the building together, and he said, "I said, you know, I said Elder Worthland's talking." I said, "I think that was meant for Terry." He said, "He said what?" He said, "I had that same impression." <laughs> he said, "It's We should both have that same impression." I said, "No, it's not." I said, "Even though she's not a member of the church, you're still her bishop. You know, you're still a bishop in charge of all the people in your ward." Yeah. And I'm still her husband, so we're both entitled to revelations for her. And he said, "Oh, that's oh man, you're right." We just had a good time. I'm. I, I came to you know I loved it out in Hawaii. Those people they they were just so good to me. Took took me in. Now the, the church was just absolutely wonderful. We went on several ser- service projects with the ward and everything. And the president, his family, whole I mean the bishop's whole family became to love Tara, and they, she knew him better than I did. So, since they worked with him and his wife. Uh-huh. 
That's awesome. So your wife, Tara, she, um, she supports you in your, in your calling right now as branch president. Yes, she does. She'll remind me of it if I, if I, <laughs> not she supposed to be at a meeting. <laughs> she reminds you. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. That's awesome. So who in your life has, um, been a, a great influence to you and, um, how? Well, uh, like I said, uh, Anthony, his his in laws, Joe and Dorothy Mahuji, they I mean, they were I just thought they were the most awesome parents I ever I was ever around. And uh, Joe, when I first met him, I probably never knew he was a member of the church. He was actually uh, area leader for AIM here. Uh, he'd went up to, he'd been up at Wounded Knee when the AIM was up there at church up in Wisconsin back in the seventies. They took over. He he was up there. Uh, I was in the military at the time when I came home, and he was telling me about it. He said, yeah, he said, if you'd been here, I would took you with me. Uh-huh. That, uh, he was actual, he was our branch president for quite a while, too. And I just I just loved the heck of him. I, mean, I thought he was the most awesome father I'd ever saw. He, he was always there for his kids, his grandkids, and, and then Dorothy was the same way. I, I remember they're both gone now, but I can remember him like yesterday. She, she was a, just an awesome lady. <laughs> uh, Jay Lamro, uh, he was the branch president after Joe uh, was released, and he the church actually owns uh, like five big ranches here, and right around well, four of them are here in Osage County, or three of them are in Osage County, and two of them up in Kansas, right across the border. But he was the ranch manager when they first bought it, and, and he was he was an awesome guy as well. He you know, taught me a lot about about the church and everything, and uh, him and I became real close friends. Still, we are still close friends. Uh, he left here and went to Argentina to manage the church ranch down here, but we we kept in contact all these years. And then, of course, Anthony. I mean, uh, actually, just he just passed away last January the ninth. His his family, all of his kids, you know, call me uncle and. Uh, I just I just feel like I owe so much to him because he introduced me to Native life and you know I, I just felt so at home around the Native people mm-hmm. uh, like I never had anywhere else. Uh, sometimes I felt more at home with them than I did with my real brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah. So how many grandkids do you have? We have ten. And how many of them live near you? Uh, all of them except for four of them. And, well, they, and they only live 45 miles away, so I'm, they're not that far away. Yeah, that's pretty close. Like, where I grew up, 45 miles away was the closest Walmart, so I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ours, ours is about 26 miles to the closest Walmart. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite stories or passages in the Book of Mormon? My, I, I, I just love Mosiah uh, two seventeen. I tell you these things; you may learn wisdom. That when you're on the service to your fellow beings, you're only in service to your God. I probably paraphrase that a little bit, but that, that I love that. Uh, my brother, he's actually a Boy Scout leader. He was for the church before they quit Boy Scouts. But on their trailer, that's what they had on the side of their trailer. That verse, but that's probably one of my favorite. 
And behold, I tell you these things that you may learn wisdom, that you, you may learn that when you are in the service of your fellow beings, you're only in the service of your God. I, I think that you know, that says it all when we're helping other people. Yeah. How has that influenced your life? People, a lot of people come to me uh, and needing help, and they know that that I'm dependable to, to help. Uh, that actually, uh, some non-members' daughter just passed away last week, and they want to know if they could use our church building for a funeral. They, they don't belong to any church, and so her funeral will be at our church next Monday. Mm-hmm. I'm just always ready to help you know, whenever anybody needs it, or you know, I make it a point to ask Heavenly Father when I pray to, if there's something I can do to help somebody, please let me know. I know a lot of times I get this uh, this song, because I've been given much, I too must give, will pop up in my head. And right after that pops up, somebody will come up needing help. <laughs> he, always, uh, he always prepares me for it. That's awesome. Do you have any stories of recent tender mercies that you've received that have strengthened your testimony? Oh, yes. The, my, my, my favorite one is not really recent, but it was, it's the one that I hold dearest, dearest to me. Uh, when my oldest son was 18, uh, he he was a not, not head and got kept getting in trouble and he got put in a, a boy's home, a boy's rank, uh, boot camp. And they called me one morning at two, uh, 1 o'clock in the morning and said, hey, we're transferring your son to Tulsa to St. Francis Hospital, if you want to see him, see him, you need to get down there as quick as possible. And my son, he was like five foot ten and one hundred and sixty pounds when I when he went to boot camp. I get down there, his whole body swelled up, his head swelled up, and everything. And they're getting ready to bring him into surgery. Well, they go in there and find he had a perforated ulcer, perforated his stomach, and all that poison was going into his body, caused him to swell up. <sighs> They went in there and they patched the hole, but he was swelled up so bad they couldn't pull him back together to stow him up. So he's got a scar about two and a half inches wide from his chest down to, to below his navel. But they had to just pull as close as they could and let it heal. But they actually healed from the inside out instead of the outside in like it usually does. They also found out he had ARDS. It's adult respiratory distress syndrome. And they said uh, 90% of the people who get that die in the first week. And seventy-five percent of those die in the first three days, and they they figured he'd had it for three days because they brought he broke out in hives and they brought him to the hospital where he was at, and they gave him a shot of steroids, which the steroids caused the uh, ulcer to blow a hole through his stomach, mm-hmm. which ended up saving his life because they found he had that ARDS. But uh, that was on a Monday morning. Well, that Saturday. Uh, all my brothers and sisters came about because he's in ICU. They came to the hospital, and everybody you knows giving me, you know, help, you know, support me and everything. Well, they all left to go home. Well, after they left to go home, all of his vitals started they started dropping, and it, they were giving him 93% oxygen, and his oxygen dropped down to like 62% in his bloodstream. And the doctors called me in there and said, "Well, if if you uh, if his blood Oxygen kind of goes below 58%. He won't have enough oxygen to sustain his organs, and we're, we're going to lose them. And so, okay, well, my my two younger kids were with me. We've been staying there at the hospital that whole week in the uh, ICU waiting room. Well, I kept going back down to the, his room. Uh, we're at a, a floor, 
a floor up above, and I decided to walk down the stairs and check on him. He's in a big glass room. They had curtains around, but you could see people in there working it, uh, in there with him. And about one o'clock, I went down there to check on him, and I, I saw him stood there and watched him. He's in there working on him, and I started walking back up to the stairways, and the elevators are right there by the stairs as well. When I got down there to the intersection of the corridors, the service elevator opened, and this guy come pushing a gurney out with a body bag on it and turned and went down his his aisle, his row, hallway, and I just fell to my knees, felt like my heart was being ripped out. Well, they, they went on by his room, and I just started thanking God, and I was crying, and I got up, and I, I ran down four or five stairs and ran across the street to this big park there in Tulsa, and I ran until I, I couldn't run anymore, and I sat down, and I prayed, and I cried, and I prayed more, and I cried more, and finally the Spirit said, don't worry, he said, Marty's with me now, and he, I'll take care of him. You've got two other kids to take care of. Uh, just leave Marty in my control. When the time's right, he'll go home with you, but you take care of your other two. So I got back up, and I realized uh, it was January 29th. I had a T-shirt and a pair of sweatpants on. Didn't have anything else on, and it was cold. I'd been out there about four hours. Mm. With that. I never realized I was cold until after I got that confirmation from the Spirit that he was going to be all right. So I went back to the hospital and they were just opening up the doors. They lock them at six till six o'clock in the morning when they open them back up. And he's still alive and going right now. There's, I mean, I, I got a lot of stories. I'm, I'm been very blessed with the spirit in my life. I, I don't, I don't know why, but heavenly father, he just blessed me with that away. Cause he loves you. Yes, that's true. I mean, he loves everybody, so I just yeah. I I, I don't understand how come everybody doesn't have these uh, spiritual I mean, I, encounters like I do. I, I mean, mm. I, I've had visions and uh, everything else. Uh, you know, uh, he talked to me. I, I had sp- uh, pictures come in my mind, and the temple work is another thing. That, you know, uh, I had. I was working a construction job. We were working seven days a week, uh, 10 hours a day, and then I'd have to drive an hour there and an hour back. We've been working that way for, uh, started in October and worked all through November. Just got a couple of days off for Thanksgiving, a couple of days off for Christmas, one day off for New Year's, and then we were back to work. And in the middle of February, I was walking down the road going to our uh, tool trailer to get some parts I needed. And it's about a block and a half walk. And it's like a big panoramic movie screen opened up right in front of me. And I, I saw my children and, and their mother in, in the in the temple. They were getting sealed to me. And I, and I said, well, why, where, where am I at? And I said, well, I come. Then I saw my spirit up above them. I, I oh, man, am I getting ready to die or something? I was actually sick at the time, too. And, it, and a couple of days later, I ended up going to the hospital and ended up having pneumonia. Then right after I had that that vision, then my, two of my uncles that were passed away, one of them who died a year before I was born in a car wreck, I saw them in a dream. And uh, one uncle said, he said, well, you think that, uh, cause my, two of my brothers have been baptized and three of my sisters have been baptized. He asked, them, you think those boys will get our work done? And my uncle that I knew said, 
Ah, oh, them boys won't do nothing. They'll procrastinate till the day they die. <laughs> so I, I ended, I got the temple work done and uh, as quick as I could. <laughs> and when I, whenever I had my dad sealed to his, him and his brother sealed to my grandparents, is I was there by myself. And there were some other people sat in for my grandparents and my uncle, and I stood sat in for my my dad. And the spirit was so strong in there. I mean, everybody in the room was crying. And the, one of the officiators afterwards said that was the most, uh, I've not felt the spirit that strong in any any other uh, ceiling I've ever took part in. He said, thank you for letting me be part of this. I, I'm just blessed. I, the only thing I can say. That's so great. The The last question I have for you is what does it mean to you to know that you are a member of the tribe of Israel. That means so much to me. Like I said, when I went to that dinner, the first time I went to an Indian dinner, and the people, I was just overwhelmed by by the, the kindness and purity of the people. And I, and I told myself, I said, they, they've got to be one of the lost tribes of Israel. And then when I found out that, by reading the Book of Mormon, that they are one of the lost tribes of Israel, and I, you know, I thought, whoa, man, it's so neat that the Spirit let me know that before I ever had, and this was uh, 12 years before I ever had anything to do with the church. Uh, then whenever I got to meet my dad again after 22 years and found out that I actually had uh, native blood in me, I'm probably, out of nine brothers and sisters, I'm probably the, the most light-complected one, and they all have brown hair. Mine's pretty blonde. But I, I'm the one who's took to the native life more than anybody. So mm-hmm. uh, when I was in South Dakota, I went up to Sisseton, and I know I, I was trying to learn a little bit of my family history. And I met this elderly lady, and I told her who I was. She says, "My gosh, boy!" I said, "How come you so white?" I said, "You got cousins up here, almost full bloods." <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing. She started laughing, and she got she. Got, Grandson, come here, bring this man something to drink and some soup so he can eat him. He got some talking to do. And so I sat down there with her all afternoon and she told me all about my native history and stuff. And it, it was, it was just, I was ecstatic just so much about the native culture that I know. I told, that's another thing I told that lady too. I said, I guess Heavenly Father just put all my native in my, in my heart. And she thought that was pretty cool that I'd said that too. Yeah. Thank you, Marty. I have enjoyed this time. I, I am impressed. My spirit has been has felt your spirit, and I am thankful for your testimony. And I'm thankful that you have lived a life, even even as hard as it may be at times, that you have this testimony to share with us now. So I thank you. You're very welcome. That's why I love sharing my testimony. So Marty mentioned that he's not an enrolled member of a tribe. And he mentioned that he's always felt a draw towards the Native American people. He found out that his father was an enrolled member of a tribe and that that makes him part of the tribe as well. The scripture kept coming to my mind. I hope you you recognize the truthfulness of this scripture 
and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. That scripture is found in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, and the Doctrine and Covenants. That scripture pertains to you and to me. That scripture pertains to all of us who are drawn to know that we are children of Heavenly Father and that we have a divine destiny. That scripture is meaningful and powerful. And yeah, like I said, I just, I couldn't not think about how that applies to Marty and how that applies to me and how that applies to you. I hope that you feel that you are divine and I hope that you feel that you are thought about by our Savior and our and our Heavenly Father. I hope that things are well for you and your families. I hope that as you study the scriptures, things are open to your mind and to your heart. And I hope that you're having a super wonderful, awesome day. Tribe of Testimonies is not affiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music is a traditional hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, arranged and performed by Kyle Forsyth. If you know someone who might be interested in being a guest, please reach out to me at tribeoftestimonies at gmail.com.